1: Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today we are continuing our series of FPL team reveals where we go around the brightest and best in the fantasy community to find out who's in the first drafts of those managers. And today I am very delighted to be joined by the man himself, Gianni Butiche. We uh, have a bit of a rivalry sometimes when it comes to game week 39, Team North versus Team South. I think this is the first time we've spoken to each other since then. I'm going to guess you're feeling pretty smug.
0: Yeah, mate, I am. It was, a, it was a wonderful day. It does seem like so long ago, though, and it coincides nicely. I mean, that was game week 39. Game week 38 was obviously the conclusion of the FPL season. And again, it was like a lifetime ago. So it's been nice to have the summer break. I completely switched off to any content or whatever. I think in the month of June and now come July, the game was launched and already like I'm enjoying it and I'm I'm ready for a new season. So, yeah, all good, mate.
1: Yeah, well, you've done uh, done the right thing there. It's always good to switch off a bit, isn't it? Because then you've got that energy and enthusiasm for the new campaign. But I, I do have to ask you about how you, you finished last season, and just generally, um, you know, what sort of position you're used to finishing in FPL—an opportunity for you to tell
0: people why we should be taking your word for it on some of these players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I'm just gonna—I'm just checking out my rank <laughs> as we speak, uh, because it got to the point where I was like, I don't care if I finish. 180,000 or 80,000 like it wasn't hitting the target I wanted so I kind of got to the point where I was playing fairly loose which I enjoyed so I finished the year the season at 84,000 um, and I think that that was actually a couple of big green arrows towards the end of the season I think I was around 100k mark for a while and then I had the game week 36 I think it was when Newcastle with a double I went Captain Wilson didn't own Isak and that was obviously a big swing for those that went Wilson and went against Isak, who was the popular option. So it was a good end to the season, despite having a kind of disappointing uh, rank. It didn't be the, the season before that was 16k, and I always think with FPL we should aim to beat our previous season. It's probably what a lot of football teams would say in the league: let's 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 do better than last year. Um, and I I don't beeline towards got to have a 50k or a 10k rank because I always think the way the game's growing, that's often unachievable and unrealistic knowing there's so many more engaged managers and also so many managers, you know, we're recording this a week after the launch of the game and there's already 1.5 million managers signed up. Like this game is huge. So for me, it's about beating last year. And I didn't do that. I went from 16K to 84K. It does, however, mean I, I've got a good chance of beating 84K next season. So yeah, fingers crossed on that one. Yeah, fingers crossed. Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, you, you always want to try and progress on from where you were before. And it is a lot harder to place value on on the raw figures, I suppose, of exactly where you finish. The game is, is growing at an exponential rate. And so as yeah. long as you can finish in in a bracket of sorts or, or percent or percentile or something like that i think that um yeah. is, is the way to go so yeah fingers crossed uh, for that now we're going to jump into your team in just one second but before we do uh it is the start of a new season and of course the game has been around uh, relaunched for about a week now is the best time for you guys to make sure that you're signed up to fantasy football scout membership because you can save up to 30 percent on those pre-season prices the preseason is the best time to have scout membership and i say that as someone who used to just be a punter then worked in editorial then left and used it as a punter again and then Come back as someone to work on it for video. I've seen it from all angles, in the preseason especially. It's fantastic. The preseason guide is inv- invaluable. It's going to help you find the new Aaron Wan the new John Lundstrom before everybody else because it's the only place where you can have the preseason minutes tracked for you. Uh, points projections, transfer planners, and drafts from the best fantasy managers as well. All sorts of fantastic benefits. Make sure you sign up now uh, before uh, the start of the campaign and make the most of it. But yes, Gianni, let's have a look at your team. And I imagine that some of the, the benefits we've talked about probably helped fuel uh, what we've got in front of us here. Um, there's a lot of light blue, I have to say, which is really mm-hmm. exciting to see. I'm going to list it off just as a list for the benefit of the podcast listeners. And then we're going to dive into my favourite talking point uh, in your team. So it's Ramsdale and Ariola as the goalkeepers. Estupiñan, Alexander-Arnold and Ake as the starting back three. Saka and Bermo and Foden in midfield alongside Rashford and Matoma, Jesus and Haaland up front, and then a substitutes bench of Colwell, Bell, and Archer. Now, I have to come straight away to Phil Foden. I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen any drafts yet where there is a, a Man City attacker outside of Haaland. You are the very first to come on the YouTube channel and the podcast and offer that
0: up. So talk me through it, my friend. It's very exciting to see. Mate, the fixtures, the fixtures for Man City, like you look at the scout ticker over 4, 6, 10 game weeks. I think if you're looking at 4 and 6 game weeks, and I only think we should look that far with the ticker because so often we don't plan to wildcard in game week 4 or 5 or 6, but so often we do. And therefore, let's not look at game week 8, 9 and 10 and worry about that too much. So when I look, you know, 8, 9 and 10, ironically, City play Arsenal, Brighton and United. But to start the season their first let's have a look at their first seven games it's Burnley yes please Newcastle's tricky in game week two but then it's Sheffield United Fulham West Ham and Forest and Wolves like if I'm looking at ceiling there are no better team to back in terms of high ceiling and potential three four or five nil victories and therefore knowing Harlan's going to be 84% owned ish <laughs> um, and he'll be all of our captains we're not going to gain much by having Haaland only in our team if they go in on a four or five-nil. And we'll see a couple of four, or five nilers, I think. Therefore, the Man City defense needs covering, in my opinion, but also the Man City attack more than Haaland. Now the million dollar question is who do you back? Because KDB's 10.5. We just can't stretch to him if we're looking at the sort of drafts we're seeing. Therefore, it's got to be one of the three 7.5 million mids. Now, if Bernardo Silva gets sold, Mares becomes a really good option. Um, Grealish is still a good option we know that from last year he's 7.5 but the most fun of all for me is Phil Foden 7.5 knowing that they've lost Gundogan there's been a lot of talk that we'll see Foden playing in the Foden role which three, four years ago when he was breaking through the Foden role was kind of in that midfield three almost as a kind of uh, box to box or kind of more creative force in that middle so a number eight or a number 10 in the midfield three now Gundogan has played that role a lot and there's a little bit of space now in the City team. There's no David Silva, no Gundogan. And will Foden finally get his chance to play that role? If he does, sure, he's not false nine or wide left or wide right, where we've seen him in years gone by, where he's been great. But it might just mean he's a little bit more nailed and gets more of those minutes. I know they've brought in Kovacic. And again, Kovacic could be like for like for Gundogan, but often plays a little bit deeper. I just think Foden's potentially going to get the minutes come game week 1 and pre-season and the tracker on scout will be really valuable for this. If I don't see what I need to see come pre come game week 1 in those pre-season minutes then perhaps he won't be in this game week 1 team. But at the moment I think he's the the most fun and potentially offers the most upside even though he's further from the goal in the midfield 3 he'll still be super attacking as we've seen with Kevin De Bruyne who by the way is flagged I think we probably don't know too much about that hamstring injury just yet. Yeah. That he picked up in the Champions League final, but with De Bruyne out as well, if he is again, more routes to the team for Foden.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, yeah, with De Bruyne, it's, the last I heard was that there's a chance he's going to miss the start of the season. But start of the season was a very nebulous concept that I suppose could mean anything between one to four, five, six game weeks. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, right now, the way things appear, it does appear that there's there's perhaps an extra slot in there. I suppose my, my next question was actually going to be, is is Foden a placeholder for some of those other guys? You've kind of already answered that already, I suppose. There's lots of if, buts and maybes in terms of yeah. um, Silver and perhaps maybe where we see Kovacic play. I suppose you'd be open to switching to a Grealish Amara's uh, or someone else similarly priced in the city midfield if the preseason pushed you in that direction.
0: Yeah, Mares especially, because we know with Mares, if he's getting minutes and starts, he's an absolute gift in FPL. And if Bernardo Silva is sold and not directly replaced, then surely that Mares right hand side is that's that slot will feel a little bit like Grealish last season where you kind of go 8 of every 10 given game weeks you're confident he's starting that's what we saw with Grealish 8 9 game weeks out of 10 you were like yeah he's safe people will always come back to pep roulette and rotation risk with city players but it's a little bit of a misconception when you look at that pep team from last season there were a lot of nailed man city assets Grealish was one when they were fit and often you will look at the minutes and go oh he's not nailed because he missed four or five games at 10 game weeks be like yeah but he had injuries you know ake is a prime example of that when ake was fit certainly for the second half of last season, he was nailed, but he did miss games through injury. So people will perhaps look at that, not spend too much time on it and go, oh, he's a rotation risk. Well, any player can get injured, you know?
1: Yeah, it's very true. I mean, I, I agree with you, actually, that especially in the early part of the season, Pep Roulette is less dangerous than, than you think because there's yeah. some decent numbers to to back that up uh, that the editorial guys at Scout picked out a few weeks ago. Um, I can't remember them exactly off the top of my head, unfortunately, but the general gist was in the first uh, part of the campaign before the European football really starts to kick in, there was something like seven or eight players that started every game. And mm-hmm. that's a lot for a City team. And yes, they've got the Super Cup, but to be honest, they can probably manage that fairly easily because they've got their first game is away on a Friday night and it's not a long yeah. trip. It's just up the road to Burnley for them. So, you know, they're going to be back in preparing again for the, the super cup perhaps on Sunday. Um, and then, you know, then on the turnaround again, it's, it's, it's a Wednesday after a Friday and then another weekend, that's not too bad. And then they've got two, three and four all just, in, in exactly the, the lineup um, schedule-wise that they're going to want. There's, I think there's the EFL Cup involved, but I imagine they're probably not involved in the earliest round because the bigger clubs don't necessarily always get involved. From top of my head, I don't know if they're involved in the first round, but even if they are, he's just going to play the kids. So it yeah. means that in those first four especially, we can probably get an accurate picture of who's going to start. And, and obviously, I love De Bruyne, but if we get confirmation that he's out for four, five, six game weeks, that would be helpful. Because then you can feel a bit more confident going for some of these guys, and and you make a very compelling case. And the fact that he's that no one's really interested in City at the moment outside of Haaland because of rotation, you know, you can potentially capitalise on on I guess the little the knowledge gap slash misconception that other people are having and maybe benefit from it.
0: That's exactly it, mate. And the seven point five mids, like we're getting a route to the the best attack in the league for seven point five for a front three player. <laughs> Uh, it yeah. it feels too good to be true and I'm surprised I haven't seen more drafts with City and I know why I haven't, it's, it's the fear of rotation, but yeah, as you say, start the season it's much, much safer it's, it's second half of the season you have to worry about with mass rotation at Man City and remember Pep has a small squad, he likes a slimline squad, there's not a huge amount of risks to to, to the nailed guys um, you know, there's a core base there of 14-15 players that get all the minutes, unlike, you know, you look at chelsea last season or you look at man united at times you're like yeah there's 20 players there <laughs> they can all get minutes but at the moment it, it and the way pep likes to manage it's a slim squad yeah definitely well
1: speaking of a slim squad yours is actually the opposite of that but you've got lots mm-hmm. of quality yeah. here because of one very important absence and that is of course no Mohamed salah now um you're not alone so don't worry you are not you know going on an outlier here i don't have salah basically everybody else i've done these videos with doesn't have salah but i have to ask. Everybody, the question just how committed are you to that format? Have you tried a salad draft? We weren't happy with what that meant for the rest of the team. And can you see yourself changing your mind between now and game week one? And I have to say, the answers so far have been very mixed. Some people are like, nope, I'm sticking without him. And others are like, oh, I might change my mind. So where do you fall on that scale?
0: I'm pretty set, mate. I mean, look, for context, I made this draft on day one of the launch um, and it hasn't changed since. I'm not one to tinker a lot. So yes, I will have a few different versions of this draft come game week one, but I like to just make a draft sit on it for a week or two. So look, in a few days time or in a week's time, I might have a little tinker. The things that I've, whilst I haven't put it in and press those confirm buttons, the things I've been thinking about on this draft are potentially going without any Liverpool whatsoever that is I'm kind of 50 50 on that so the question for me isn't Salah yes or no I'm set there it will be no Salah because the money and there's too many other good midfield options the question will be do I go Trent yes or no and that is the one I'm on the fence with so I think there is a chance I see no Trent and that's say a Reese James or a Ben Chilwell and then even more money in that midfield where there's just amazing options so I'm pretty set on the no Salah mate i Pre-season, he could go and get hat-tricks in lots of games, show us he's still on penalties when McAllister and Savotslai are still on the pitch. And still, I don't think I would go there. If the fixtures were brilliant, maybe I would. But the fixtures are the reason why I'm tempted to go without any Liverpool whatsoever, because Chelsea game week one is tough. And yes, Bournemouth game week two, Salah is going to be the best captaincy option in FPL game week two. Haaland has Newcastle. But then it's Newcastle and Villa, Two really difficult teams. And yeah, Wolves, okay, but it's at Molyneux. And then West Ham, Spurs, Brighton. It's a really, really tough start. And actually, I think some of the tickers are a little bit out with how tricky Liverpool's start is.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, the Villa game, especially. I mean, for example, at the moment, we've got it as a kind of like lightish blue. but But a European team, they're no joke and they've made some good signings. You know, West Ham, kind of the same. They're obviously going to lose Declan Rice. But, you know, I do think that there's a lot for West Ham to prove from last season because they really shouldn't have been anywhere near the situation they were in for example so there's a lot of teams with points to yeah. prove they're going they're going to face Liverpool's defense also hasn't been amazing and you know it, it games could get away from them because their control of those games they they let them slip we, we saw that a lot last season, and well, without wanting to, you know, inflate, um, you know, your fan ego, I also think Chelsea are going to be really good this year, and so then opening yeah. with Chelsea game week one, I mean, that's a tough game. So I could totally understand why you're turned off by those fixtures. Um, we'll yeah. talk a bit more about Trent in a minute uh, when we talk about defence, but yeah, it's. Um, I, I think I'm relatively set on No Salah as well, um, and it's and it's simply because, and you've mentioned it there as well, just with the captaincy, it's like he is only worth captaining in one of the first six. So therefore, yeah. do you break your team to do that? Not really, because I mean, do you fancy Haaland at home against Newcastle?
0: Uh, it just sounds like an easy question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm still I'm still fine with that. And those those, those Liverpool fixtures, I know I'd said they they were difficult, but just going through them in a little bit more detail now, I'm like five of the eight are away from home. I didn't quite realize that because with Liverpool, I often think it doesn't matter who they're playing if they're at Anfield, there'll still be goals. But five of the eight are away from home. So again, like even more reasons to be put off a little bit by Liverpool. Five away out of eight. Um, it's a tricky run. It's a tricky run. And also, that midfield three is going to be completely different next season and might take a little bit of time to settle in. So again, I yeah... I think there's a 50 50 chance i'll have no liverpool in my lineup whatsoever and i do think there's good liverpool options don't get me wrong like trent and salah are going to get you tons of points it's just the money you have to spend to get there and then sure there could be some hidden gems if darwin or Jota are starters 7.5 darwin up front or midfield out of position Jota 8 million i think they're both great great options because they are big chance hoggers but i think it'll be luis diaz and hakpo and salah will be the front three to start game week one so again we need to know who that first choice front three is going to be, because at the moment it's Salah plus two and the two feel like they'll probably be Hakpo and Luis Diaz who arguably are worse FPL options than Darwin and Jota, (laughs) um, so I'm happy to swerve him for the time being I think. Yeah. I
1: know what you mean there's, there is so much to settle there there's just so many things that they could do differently. I mean I was just having a read of the uh, the scout report on Sabozla this morning cuz uh, going to going to sort out a video on him as well and and the predicted lineup that they were they were trying to put together um, uh, in an attempt to you know, sort of help us understand where he was going to fit in. Is it, it just, four two three one? What was so it? They went for a three two two three, uh, which yeah. had obviously Trent and Fabinho as the deep, well, the two sixes, I suppose, um, to help you understand the geography of them. Because because Trent yeah. isn't a six, but in that area, then Sobozi and McAllister perhaps as the number eights, and then right. Diaz, Hakpo, and Salah across the front. But there's just so many different players that could come in and out of that. It could be a four two three one, could be a four three three three. So it is a bit of a lottery until we start seeing some preseason games. So I totally understand that reticence to sort of like buy in right now when who knows what impact all those different players are going to have. The, the impact could be beneficial. Alternatively, yeah. when, do you remember when... Uh, Klopp used to not like having all four of his attackers on the pitch yeah, at once. Yeah, three of the did, four always, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and when he had the four, they were kind of like treading on each other's toes and he just got in the way of each other and actually made their attack worse. And I've, I when, sometimes when I play seven-a-side football on Tuesday night, there's one guy who plays left wing like me. And if we're on the same team, it's just rubbish like because you just yeah. get in each other's way. So You go you to the same that.
0: zones on the pitch, just naturally navigate towards the same areas. And yeah, we could see that... <laughs> Mate, so Bot size is going to be a really interesting one with how he fits. And he likes that right-hand channel. So I look forward to seeing your video. Also, his penalty record. Have you seen? He, I think he's got, I think he scored 12 of 13. So him and McAllister both have better penalty records than Salah. But interestingly, check out his pens. I'm pretty sure from all 13 of his league pens or professional pens, I heard on TalkSport the other day, so worth checking the stats on this, he's gone the same side every single time. How oh, funny. Wow. Like, he's literally <laughs> put the ball to the keeper's right. So he shoots across his body every single pen. So 13 out of 13 and one was saved. Wow, incredible. Well, yeah,
1: yeah I mean, the penalties is, always, is a conversation that we have had also with McAllister as well. I mean, we, we think... We think that Salah will probably keep it, but he has I got more he competition. Will. He's got yeah. more competition than before, so that that that's that's the main point, isn't it? is not it? there's just competition for all sorts of roles in that team, and I can understand why you're put off by it for sure. Um, but you've mentioned yep. obviously away fixtures. A team that has four at home in the first six is Arsenal, which is where we start with your goalkeeper, which is Ramsdale. He's five million, so he's not priced in a traditional box. You know, we like to either have a four point five, or if we're going to commit, we like a five point five. Five million is is obviously halfway between that, but I mean he offers pretty good value at the start of the season, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think I'll go for the budget option of Ariola and Fabianski, them both, or it will be a five million and Ariola. I think I don't, I'm not sold on any of the four point five options. I don't love a Pickford or a Leno, and I think the five million options are so much better. They're worth the extra point five. The I guess I need to know if Ariola is the number one, and we think he's going to be the number one. And at the moment, that feels sort of 50 50. Then maybe I could go Ariola in a 4.5 with a good rotation. But at the moment, if Ariola's a bench player, then Ramsdale at 5 million feels so, so good. And I know Gabrielle, if you're spending 5 million, you get a little bit more from Gabrielle because the goal threat is so good. The problem with Gabrielle for me is there's so many defenders I like. And I look at this team and think if Trent was to go, I probably wouldn't want to fill it with Gabrielle. I'd want to fill it with a Chelsea defender for example. So that's where I settled on Ramsdale. But outside of Ramsdale, Kepa's 5 million. Could look at him, although there will be routes to that Chelsea backline for 4.5, like Fafana or Colwell, depending on who starts. Um, and Emi Martinez is also 5 million. I think we've got, we forget how good Emi Martinez can be for FPL. And Villa under Unai Emery had a really impressive Uh, defensive record so again he's one I may consider if I go for a Gabriel option or if I go triple Arsenal attack because Saka Jesus Martinelli is on my mind as a triple attack but at the moment Ramsdale was just the easy go-to pick and I made this draft before I saw the template before I saw other people's drafts and it's it's funny because the draft I made on day one that we're looking at now does feel very boring and very template. <laughs> um, and someone said to me yesterday, it's a good draft. I'll give it nine out of 10. <laughs> They're commenting on my, my a YouTube video, but it's not very Jani. And I looked at it and thought, yeah, you're probably a bit right there. And maybe just by Trent, taking Trent out and going triple Arsenal attack straight away, I've made it a little bit more janny, which is, is where I'll probably end up. But um, yeah, for the time being, Ramsdale's in. You definitely want triple Arsenal, though. I think, I think I'll 100% be in that camp. I will have three Arsenal players one way or another. The fixtures are too good. The prices are too good. Yeah, I mean, just uh, going
1: over those fixtures in more detail, it's Forest at home game week 1. I mean, that's, in a way, all you need to know, to be honest. I mean, Forest mm-hmm. were awful away from home last season. Palace away game week 2, Fulham at home game week 3, United at home game week 4, uh, Everton away game week 5, and Spurs at home game week 6. And, and the thing is, um, I can understand the interest in triple Arsenal attack because i've said forest and fulham at, at the emirates feels like a heavy win for arsenal then united and spurs coming along i mean you you could see arsenal maybe struggling to 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 win it but at the very least it could be a two two or three three something like that the north london yeah. derby especially is always chaos it's it's my favorite derby as a neutral because Reading's derbies don't normally get too near the television so um <laughs> watching the north london derby i do really enjoy because it's just the form book is just irrelevant and it's always just a barnstorming basketball match. So, you know, yeah. having attackers in that game could be could be very exciting. So, yeah, I totally understand the interest. And um, Praz at the moment has three Arsenal attackers. So you'd be in good company if you went that way. Um, I would be. So he must have no...
0: Because if you go three Arsenal attackers, it's usually... Not, I've not put the draft together, but I'm looking at it going, if I go three Arsenal attackers, it would be say it would be one of my 6.5 mids up to Martinelli. And if I do that, that means no trend. So that's what I'm thinking about. If I go no trend, there's a good chance I go triple Arsenal attack. And I'm guessing that's what, has Praz got no trend? Yeah, I think that's, I yeah. mean, I've seen so many drafts, unfortunately,
1: off the top of my head. I <laughs> can't exactly remember, but he made a very compelling case, very similar to yourself, about reasons to be a bit concerned about, about Liverpool. So, yeah, mm. it is it is uh, something you would have to you know downgrade in other areas. But it doesn't seem necessarily like a, a bad thing to do, because no. there's a similar principle here with your views on Man City. Everyone's going to have Haaland, and so how can you turn a shield of Haaland because everyone's going to have him protecting yourself into a sword of like when those goals go in they actually benefit you and so because a lot of people are going to have two Arsenal attackers by getting a third one you will probably get more green arrows out of Arsenal doing what you expect them to which is to score lots of goals at home and at the same time you also save yourself the the hard decisions because deciding between the arsenal attackers this season is really difficult to be honest, uh, Martinelli, yeah. uh, Erdegaard, Saka, and, and maybe even Havertz as well. Um, I mean, I, I don't think he'll necessarily be in the conversation game week one. But I, I honestly think there will be a time this season where I end up owning Havertz for three or four game weeks with like good reason, rather than doing it sort of like for a stupid sort of throwaway differential punt. Um, I mean, I don't know what you think there. I mean, you're obviously a Chelsea fan. You've seen him perhaps play yeah. not in his favoured position, um, but you know, uh, I think I think the move to Arsenal is good for him. Do you do you think that maybe he might creep in at some point to your team?
0: I, I mean, I own Havertz a lot in the last two seasons, like I had Havertz over Watkins last year, which is where I really suffered. My rank really was hit from going Havertz over Watkins, my biggest error last year. But I clearly see a lot from him to always back him in FPL, but a good FPL asset and good footballer aren't always the same. And, and with Havertz, I've always gone heart overhead. And as a Chelsea fan, I remember when making the Havertz-Watkins decision, I think I tweeted something along the lines of, it's such a close call to make, but the thing that swings it for me is, I'll celebrate Havertz's goal more than a Watkins goal because I want <laughs> Havertz to score. And I and I went heart overhead. And I think he's an outstanding footballer. And I think a couple of years ago, when Chelsea landed him, it was like he was being talked about the next big thing, someone that will potential Ballon d'Or winner. And obviously at Chelsea... Fans have been divided on him. I have always been in the camp that he's incredible and just been playing in a out of position and struggled to nail a position in the team under a manager because different managers have been coming in with different systems. But I adore him, but I still probably don't think he's a great FPL asset because he's not that clinical in front of goal. He plays in a variety of positions, but I do think the Arsenal style will really, really suit him. And we know he's going to be slightly deeper and he will be he will pop up in areas close to the goal. And if he's going to play that Jacker role, and Jacker last year, remember, was a number eight, um, that on that left-hand side, with party being the DM or Jorginho, that Xhaka last year got tons of shots. That Xhaka last year got tons of goals. Hmm. And I think Havertz is a better technical footballer than... Uh, Xhaka in front of goals. So again, Havertz will have chances fall his way on that inside left channel. Yeah.
1: Well, the the great stat actually is that Xhaka and Erdegaard were afforded the same number of big chances last season. No way. Were they really? Yeah, eight each. And so it's, I mean, obviously Erdegaard got 15 goals and he kind of overperformed his XG a little bit. But I mean, he, when he was 15, he was being talked about as the next big thing as well. And may, yeah. Murray may well still get to that point. I mean, he's still stupidly young. It feels like he's been around a very long time, but that's because he yeah. started when he was 15. So yeah, Havertz, if he afforded the same number of big chances you know if that dynamic continues and that's why I feel like there could be a point where I do own him just because that saving is is available so it's, it's very exciting times I think for Havertz perhaps as a slow burner I'm not going to probably get him near the beginning um, yeah. but yeah it'd be nice to see him be nice for you to maybe own him later in the season and get what you deserve, which is a bit of reward for your faith in him. So fingers mm-hmm. crossed. Yeah, off. I'm
0: definitely definitely owed it. I think I saw Az say he was going Haberts in his first draft, but for game really. week one. But I think that will change. I think I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Az will follow through with that. I guess you'll want to see him preseason. But his game week one draft does include Haberts. Yeah. Wow. I love yeah. that. Well, I, well we're going to get on at some point. I'm going to ask
1: him all about Havertz when, when we get there. Um, you've talked a little bit about, we talked a bit about Chelsea, of course, big Chelsea fan. We have to talk about Colwell on your bench because uh, we've, yeah. we're just of going to talk about the rest of your defense as a sort of general rotation from this book. Cause that's kind of what it looks like. We've got a stupid which I feel is, is an obvious pick. we have got Bell as well, 4 million. Are you, how wedded are you to the pricing structure there, I guess. And I suppose you've already talked about Colwell, maybe starting for Chelsea. Um, mm-hmm. What's your, what's your take on him? Obviously did very well out on loan last season um, do you anticipate him maybe uh, sticking around? And I mean,
0: you obviously just know more about the Chelsea
1: scenario than, yeah. than myself. So, yeah, take us away.
0: Chelsea made some howlers, getting rid of Mark Gay, getting rid of Tomore, uh, young centre backs through the academy, been recognised by England, but not Chelsea. Uh, Colwell, for me, isn't going anywhere. And I think I know Brighton are offering big money for him. I'm confident he'll be part of Poch's plans. And I think, genuinely, there's a very good chance he's starting alongside Tiago Silva in a back four. Now, Tiago in a four isn't great, uh, but we need his leadership. So, um, Badia Shiel is out and probably could miss the start of the season. Fafana has been ropey. So, it could be Fafana and Tiago. It could be Colwell and Tiago, But he has got a really good chance. The slight concern might be that playing in the Euros, and he was arguably one of the players of the tournament in the under-21s, uh, for England um, means he's not going to get much of a kind of summer break slash pre could be shortened. But the other flip side argument to that is his base fitness will be high because he's been busy this summer and he shouldn't be suffering from exhaustion because for Brighton last year, whilst he was great, he was rotating in and out the team with Webster. It was like Cole starts one week, Webster the next. So, I think there's a very good chance he's starting. I need to see preseason minutes before I back him game week one. But if I like what I see preseason with regards to minutes, it's a really cheap route to a Chelsea back line, which I think will be much improved. So I'm not wedded to him in that slot, but I am I'm wedded to the kind of structure of a 4.5 defender bench option followed by a 4 million defender bench option. So, you know, that could be Botman and Bayer, it could be Boldock and Matt Cash, whatever. Um, but at the moment, uh, it's Colwell and Bell, and pre-season will determine if I stick with that.
1: Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And um, I suppose you've also talked about the fact that if you do go a different way, your route into the Chelsea defence could easily be Rhys James, who I'm guessing is yeah. your preferred out of him and
0: Sherwell? And yeah, I was looking, I think I read an article on Scout a couple of days ago, which looked at the attacking threat of both last season only and... Chilwell had the greater goal threat, which I was perhaps slightly surprised by. Um, shots in the box all up on Reese. Reese had the greater assist threat. But I was really surprised. Chilwell took something like 50 corners and Reese James took something like 20 corners. So that was surprising. Um, I really think there's very little to split Ben Chilwell and Reese James. Um it could be either it could be both 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 in a four four two is something I'm like oh will I put together a draft that is both in a 4 possibly from game week three the Chelsea fixtures are frighteningly good um but again we just need to see a little something from them in pre-season obviously they're playing a back four under poch it will be four two three one. that's the poch way um but that doesn't mean they'll be more restricted they'll still be bombing on as we saw at Spurs um so I like them both. But at the moment, yeah, Reese has always been my kind of go-to at, the, at Chelsea in defence. I've always had a soft spot for him. And I think when ranking defenders in years gone by, it's always been Trent. And then in the tier below, we've had Cancelo, Robertson, Reese, and Chilwell. They've been like the standout four. And I think it's amazing we could get them at 5.5 5 million.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, really, and this, you've also made a great comparison with Poch at Spurs as well, because Davis and Trippier did very, very well there. He, he was a big fan of even in the four two three one, making sure those those wing backs. Well, I mean, well, they were wing backs rather than necessarily yeah. traditional. Fullbacks in a back four despite the fact they were playing a back four so you know we could see more of that which would would be very exciting do you think that it's do you think the fixtures might maybe be what ultimately decides how much you're invested in Chelsea and I suppose let's move forward into midfield a bit here because you've got Mbermo we've already talked about Foden and we'll talk about Rashford separately because I think that's a 50-50 with Fernandes but you've got Matoma as well in effect you've got some potential routes into a Sterling and Mudrik for example Um, you don't have them at the moment Um, are you more interested except Excited about chelsea defenders this year chelsea attackers you know uh, with you know you, again just to be, use the benefit of you being a chelsea fan and, and having watched a lot more of them than other people um hmm. what's your feeling about the attacking options there uh are you waiting for that game week
0: three fixture swing i don't know if i want to book in transfers that's what i know <laughs> in game week three we're going to be making chelsea transfers they've got Luton, forest bournemouth like what a set of three games um so I might just roll the dice and start with one or two in my 11. But the, the Chelsea players I'm interested in, I know Cole was in this team, but if I sell Trent, it'll be a Chelsea fullback, as mentioned. But then in the midfield, you mentioned Sterling and Mudrick, who are both potentially really good options at 6.5 and 7. I much prefer Sterling because we know what we're getting, at least from him. And he should be hitting his peak now. Sterling's like 27-28. This should be prime Sterling, and he's way short. But if we see a little bit of Man City Sterling at 7 million, he could be a joke of a price. But Madueke is 5.5. 5. And again, this could be a good under 21s tournament. It will be Madueke or Mudrick, you would think. And if it's Madueke at 5.5, 5, yeah, what a nice option to have. I don't think I'll be starting with these guys. If I start with Chelsea players in my 11, it will be the fullbacks. But being able to have two 6.5 million mids in Matoman and Bemo to be able to move easily to one of those Chelsea mids just mentioned. is a a nice thing to have. And whilst I really like Matoma in this team, and I definitely want double Brighton in my 11 for the start of the season, I don't know if I need Mbomo. I think we're blinded by possibly the coincidence of him excelling without Tony. It's quite a small sample size. In the 10 or 11 games without Tony, where he scored lots of goals, it's nice. And 10 games is a good sample size. And he should be on penalties. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we've seen a big enough sample to go. He is much better without Tony, because don't forget, Brentford are surely a lot weaker without Tony. Um, and it, and I don't, he's not a number nine either, and he won't play number nine. And Brentford could go and sign a number nine or Visser can play there. So from the midfield five, what we can see on screen. The one I'm not sold on is Mbomo.
1: Yeah, it's interesting actually because there was a massive flock towards him on the day that the game launched and I was one of the people that did that as well. But yeah, the more we yeah. unpick some of the layers, you know, it's obvious that he's not necessarily going to play up front um, unless they're playing a five-three-two 2 formation, which is when he did play up front, and they usually played that against the more difficult teams. And so therefore you... You're sort of asking him to play in a better position when they play harder opposite play harder opposition, and that you don't necessarily yeah. want to rely on that. I think. I mean, I'm going to still keep an eye on what they do in preseason because if he does do well, yeah. then maybe I'm more excited about it. But yeah, I mean, you've talked about. Um, Brighton as well, I mean, just going to gonna stick their fixtures back on the screen, th- there's a useful little swing with them because their first few fixtures are really nice. So Brighton uh, are hosting Luton in game week one, away to Wolves game week two, at home to West Ham in game week three. And, you know, nice. maybe the West Ham game could be OK, but it, if you switch to a Chelsea player in that uh, in game week three to go for the Luton game, so then effect in effect, if you have a Brighton midfielder... And then you switch to a Chelsea midfielder with that Brighton midfielder in game week three, you get to play Luton at home twice in the first three game weeks, <laughs> which is like not bad. So there's and then of yeah. course it's Forest, which is an incredible game for Chelsea as well. So there's ways and means that you can you can do it. But I suppose um, I should ask you about your views on the Brighton midfield because there are yeah. multiple options. Um, I've got Gross at the moment, for example. I haven't seen March in too many teams. Matoma seems to be the favourite, but at the very least, it's a three-way coin toss for some. Uh, how is it for you? Is he a placeholder, or do you think Matoma
0: is the best? Matoma's in my eleven, but there could be a conversation to be had. You got, need you need double Brighton attack, and if that is squeezing a Ferguson in or um, a seven point five mid in in uh, sorry six point five mid in Gross or, or or March. Now, when I look at the Brighton attack, there's kind of four positions. Right, let's assume it's like a four two three one. From the front four, the only one I think is absolutely nailed is Matoma on the left. You would argue Soli March should be on the right-hand side, but don't forget, Nciso can play on the right-hand side. Could Pedro coming in get opportunities on the right? And then you look at the number 10 role, and it could be gross because he has played there before, although we know he's played at right-back in DM2, which is perhaps where we'll see him. But then you look and think Nciso and can play number 10, uh, Lalana, who was out injured will be back can play number 10 or he plays with a front two and it's a, a number 10 number 9 combination of Ferguson and Welbeck and we've seen that a lot as well and then even the number 9 is it Welbeck or Ferguson or both so from all those players and there's still some I've not even mentioned like Sabuano Notte who I think are more kind of yeah and they signed James options. Milner as well who
1: probably isn't going to start and Milner, but yeah, what an experienced head to go into that team I'm really excited to see him at Brighton to be honest so yeah it's good
0: business Really good business. like, um, And I think Pedro could be good for them. So, I don't know. Matoma's the safest, and arguably March is very safe too. Gross as well, but he could be slightly deeper. So I'm surprised I haven't seen Sonny March in more teams, because there was so little to split March over Matoma last year, March and Matoma last year. And I was in the in the March camp. It was only when I doubled on the Brighton midfield I added Matoma. I was always on March, and and... I liked the amount of big chances that were falling his way, although his conversion wasn't great. Whilst Matoma was a bit more of an overperformer of XG compared to March's underperformance. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sold on Matoma, mate. I think he'll be in. And I think if I looked at another one, if I saw a lot from Enciso pre season, and I thought, and I was confident of him starting kind of back-to-back games. He could have the, an opportunity, as could March for the reliability. Uh, but at the moment, I think Matoma uh, is the is the standout for me.
1: Yeah, and actually, good point. I actually forgot to mention in
0: Ciso. He's just someone yeah. else who's also just uh, so many, so many. We're definitely going to. Yeah. And uh, he have... can play anywhere. He can play anywhere, yeah. like number ten. I have watched him live at Arsenal at the Emirates uh, game week thirty-six. It was the game where Stupenang got the have many points. Oh yeah, and in Ciso. March was out injured. Matoma was on the left, and was on the right, and they kept sw- they kept sw- swatch, uh, swapping all the time. And I never seen Matoma go and play on the right, but he did. And Mark and went on the left, and he caused absolute mayhem. And obviously, we've seen him play number ten and number nine too. So and covers all four attacking spots
1: yeah it's incredible it could even get him out of position maybe we'll have to see as you say um, one last uh, 50-50 well they, that wasn't a 50-50 we've joked before that picking the, bright, the best Brighton attacker is like rolling a six sided dice rather than flipping a coin um, <laughs> Rashford it, and Fernandez for some is a 50-50 coin flip uh, you've obviously opted to spend that extra 0.5 do you think that that's going to get you um, you're getting banged for your buck by spending that extra money uh, if you need 0.5 how averse would you be to getting Bruno so what's
0: your thinking between these two. When they revealed Bruno's price, FPL, 8.5, I remember saying to myself, that's a lock. That's a lock in my game with one team. <laughs> yeah. And then we saw Rashford at nine, and it was like, okay. Because I thought maybe it, they'd be both 9.5. Um I don't know. I think I think what Ten Hag's trying to do with that midfield quite clear now in a 4-3-3. By signing Mason Mount, I think it's very clear he wants to play a DM with two number eights. And and I think it will be Bruno and Mount either side of Casemiro. And with that, will we see Bruno's defensive responsibilities increase a little bit from when we've seen him playing as a kind of out and out uh, 10 or even sort of we've seen him wide on the right. We've seen him very close to playing as a kind of to the striker. And it's almost looked like two strikers at time in years gone by with Bruno. But I do think we're going to see a 4-3-3 with him as a box-to-box-8. And with that, more defensive responsibility. And at times last season, he was United's best player playing as a number eight with that defensive responsibility. So whilst he will still get tons of chances and create a ton playing as a number eight, because he's exceptional, I just like the fact that Rashford's that little bit closer to the goal always, whether he's playing wide left or as the number nine. And I think I prefer him wide left even for FPL. Don't think Rashford playing number nine is necessarily better for him. I don't think it is. um I just like the fact he'll be closer to the goal and get probably more chances and probably higher shot volume. So Rashford's kind of worth the extra point five. If there was a million in it. It'd be Bruno. <laughs> it's a really tight call. Yeah, I know what you mean actually
1: about Rashford being better on the wing because I mean some of the caveats I'm seeing people put put out there is that you know it's, United might sign a striker. I mean. Harry Kane yeah. has been talked about I mean that's probably wishful thinking at this point but at the very least they're in the market for one and if they get one oh maybe Rashford will play out wide but certainly in the years when I've had the opportunity to really drill down into the numbers on Rashford I can remember times when I was you know late on a Saturday night having watched Man United mm-hmm. play um, when I was in the editorial department for scout and, and my, my, my work was simply just to have a look at how he compared as a centre forward versus as a winger and when yeah. he plays centre forward sometimes it's, it's not I don't want to say it's easy to mark him out of the game um, because he's, he's not a small lad but he's not a big lad either he's not a Lukaku who can necessarily yes. counter-bully a cent- another centre-back for example if he's going to get marked out of a game by a big strong centre-back that that is going to be less beneficial for him than that opportunity to go and occupy some space on the left-hand side give the fullback a difficult time but then also what he's really good at yeah. is penalty box entries from that area where it's harder to pick up because the fullback has to come with him potentially um, pulls the defence out of shape and if he does Go on to one of those centre backs from a wider position. That centre back's only got the split second to be like, oh, Matt, he's come in the box now. I, you know that's harder for them to defend than being able just to stand on him. So if he does yeah. play out wide, that, as you say, could still be actually beneficial to him, even if they do sign another striker.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I like Rashford with his facing the goal, not with his back to goal. And if he's playing number nine, he'll often find himself with his back to goal. And he's not—he's not that sort of striker. Uh, that's going to roll a defender and and get a shot off. He wants to run in behind and he wants to face defenders up with a bit more space. So I hope, I hope as an FPL option, we see him wide left. And I think we will, because United are going to buy a striker. And even if they don't, Martial is still around and we'll get some game time, but um, yeah, I prefer him to Bruno. I think there's a really good argument to go with both because United, I think are going to have a very good season and they're both incredible FPL assets. And Luke Shaw too. And if Anana comes into the game at 5 million, then I think a lot will flock to him. And I think I'll, I, think De Gea was priced at five and I think Anana will be the same. So again, I think United will get a lot of love. They always do because there's more United fans in, of, of FPL teams than any other club. So you have to look at that United tax, a little bit like the transfer market. When you're selling to Man United, you get an extra 5-10%. Well, when FPL, when you're buying a United player, you get an extra 5-10% in ownership on some of those popular assets. Yeah,
1: that's very true. I, I, uh, I've i just actually recorded a video this morning about uh, Fernandez and, and Rashford and, and pretty much came to the same conclusion you did is that actually owning both could be really tasty, especially yeah. if the fixtures line up. It's probably difficult to justify that at the start because they've got some really nice home fixtures. Wolves and Forest are their first two, but they've also got Spurs away, Arsenal away in the first two. So probably mm-hmm. just one is enough for now. But when we get a really healthy run, we're going to look at them. When we get double game weeks, I think having both is going to be is going to be really tasty. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to having the opportunity um, to do that. Let's push into your forwards now. And uh, I suppose in many ways, it, it, this is this is a template part of your team. And I've, I've put that yeah. in inverted commas because that's not in any way a criticism because I think this is a very sensible way to go to start with. It's exactly the front two I've got. Um, you know, Haaland, we don't really need to talk about. Uh, Jesus is the most expensive of the players in the bracket where we feel like the second striker will come from this year so you can step down to some others i suppose Mm -hmm. um we've already talked about triple arsenal so i i I guess i've got your thoughts on that i suppose the the opportunity for you to maybe go and kunku for 7.5 because to bring it back to chelsea again we haven't talked about him yet and he's Looks like he could have yeah. a good year. You famously uh, had Darwin last season for his red card as well. I'll never forget the unfortunate nature of you bringing him in for that. So, you know, there's players in that bracket who you have owned before and will yeah. almost certainly have, at the very least, a strong opinion either way on. So, what's your thinking on that second striker slot?
0: I was big on Darwin last year. I was big on Werner year before and probably the year before that. Like, I'm not, I, I, I can easily be sold on going on a new striker to the league early on. Like, I did it with Werner, I did it with Darwin. And I could easily do it with Nkunku. Uh, His numbers are so good. Looking at where he's played at at Leipzig last season, I think he only played as the out-and-out number nine four times, but he got something like four goals in that time. He played mostly as a second striker in kind of a number 10 role, but you can also play out wide too. Um, And Nkunku's penalty record's amazing. And Chelsea have lost Jorginho and Havertz, the two takers. So it should be Nkunku on pens. It could even be Reese James, by the way, on pens. So do watch out for that. But if pre-season tells us who's on penalties and it's Nkunku, then you can look at it and say, well, Jesus 8 million not on pens and Kunku 7.5 on pens, both playing for good teams, blah, blah, blah. Um, I still think i will end up with Gabby Jésus just because it's tried and tested. And I know I'm getting an out and out nine. And I know the Arsenal fixtures are amazing. But, and Kunku is on my mind, and he might be someone we move to come game week three, four when the fixtures improve a little bit. I don't see myself starting the season with him because of Jesus, and I can't go to a three, four, three because there's so many good midfield options. I think we need a midfield five. I, I'm struggling to, to think of ways in which I could accommodate a front three, and I can't really see myself doing it. If I was to go to another formation that wasn't three, five, two, it would probably be 442 because there's also so many good defenders at that 5 5.5 price point um so i think it'll be Harlan jesus i guess a third striker slot is up for grabs um and that could be a 6 million option if you get the money by selling a trent and you have a better sub one and your sub one is a 6 million or a 5.5 striker i don't mind some of those 5.5 6 million options um Visser is six million, for example. If I didn't have him Bomb home and they didn't sign a striker, Visser at six is an option. Ferguson at six million, I do really like. I'm just a little bit worried about starting successive games. And when I look at the Brighton fixtures, I just worry about how much Deserbi likes to rotate. Mm-hmm. Um, although he's definitely in their best 11 of course he is, but that doesn't mean he's gonna start three games on the bounce like Matoma will. Um, so yeah, there's a few options there, but I do think striker one and striker two are probably fixed but Nkunku could blow us away pre-season and then we have our heads turned yeah yeah I'm anticipating that as well I'm I'm like yourself I'm very
1: excited to see what he can do in the Premier League this year because the numbers he's bringing here uh, from the Bundesliga are very exciting and if you've not had the opportunity uh, already to check out the scout report we've done on him on site and also on YouTube do watch that because you will get a lot of envy and you, you might, you mm. might even have your head turned before Casa Amor uh, of game week three. So, you know, um, <laughs> make sure you check out that and uh, get very excited about it. Um, yeah. One last quick word, I suppose on your uh, final uh, player right in the corner of the bench, we've not talked about is Cameron Archer. We've kind of already touched on, on, on the, on the third striker. Uh, he's there at the moment. He is actually emerging as the most popular at the moment. And what I'm enjoying is yeah. that people's reasons behind their third striker are usually quite irrational and nothing to do with FPL because we're not really expecting these guys to play right
0: yeah yeah it's kind of a dead spot i don't like dead spots um in an ideal world but how likely is it i'm gonna need my third sub in the first six game weeks (laughs) i don't think i'm gonna need them i don't think i'm gonna need them so i don't want to waste money and this is a streamlined bench because i think most of my 11 are playing week in week out and when they're not i'll have a a good sub one that's reliable and maybe that's not Will, because maybe he won't be reliable and preseason will tell us that but that could be a botman that you know can always come in or whatever so i'm all right with cameron archer there might be a 4.5 option that emerges that gets a loan move let's say Balogun gets a loan move to west ham and they are i think eight to one to get him after the window um if Balogun was at West Ham at 4.5, he's in everyone's team. Oh, yeah. um, or if he's at Crystal Palace, who I think are also 8-1. to one. But Cameron Archer, I guess the hope is that he gets a loan. He's done so well when he's been out in the Championship. Is he going to get minutes at Villa this time round? Maybe. Maybe he is the Watkins' backup. But if he's not seen as the Watkins' direct backup and he gets a loan move, then again, he's a good option to have. But I'm not fussed too much about that third spot on the bench because I don't expect to need them. Yeah, absolutely,
1: and as I said, if you if you get the opportunity to pick someone there just for bans, like why not? You know, yeah. so don't rule that out. I I would suggest to people because yeah, because your fifth midfielder would normally be someone who is, you actually envisage ever playing, whereas right now a four point five million striker very much is just a dead asset. So you know, yeah, just have a laugh with it, guys. Have a
0: laugh with it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah there's four point. There's loads of four point five mids. You know, can come in and get you your two points. That 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 minutes men there isn't any 4.5 million forwards that we can safely say are going to start i think there might be a 5 million forward that has a good chance of starting am i right in thinking the luton have got an option up front is it at a bio i think it's got a good chance of starting games yeah but then that means an extra point five for a third sub spot i'm not yeah. going to waste that
1: exactly yeah exactly so it, it makes sense just to sort of leave someone there and uh, to see what happens really and just probably and the thing is all your transfers are going to get used on uh, jumping on and off midfield bandwagons anyway so yeah. um, that seems to be where the money is going to flow uh, in the early weeks of the season so yeah there we are but yeah thanks very much for joining us Janny it's been brilliant to uh, to chat through your team before we do finish uh, another opportunity for us to just plug the Fantasy Football Scout members area now is the time to sign up uh, 30% off uh, up to 30 you can save uh, if you uh, use the preseason prices we've talked through some many of the benefits in this video if you want some more information head to the website and get more details there and sign up for the package uh, that is right for you uh, don't forget also to make sure that you have uh, liked this video and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well hit that bell notification it all helps um, build fancy football scout as we head into the new campaign but also make sure that you don't miss a single thing we're gonna have loads of other team reveals like this there's gonna be plenty more of Gianni on the channel as well we're gonna hear his thoughts uh, in the lead up to game week one and from from game week one and beyond so i'm guessing you're looking forward to a bit more uh content now that you've had your break you're ready to yeah. to kick on
0: yeah i'm looking forward to another season with scout like great to have a i i put a jokey tweet out like a 12-month extension like i think <laughs> i've been doing scout videos for i don't know must be four must, must be my fourth maybe even fifth season um but yeah it's great i think that we're we're it's always a slightly different angle every year and we we evolve the scout content don't we so I'm delighted to be able to do a Sunday night stream um with Ali Hangarov who I know you've done a team selection or some top tips video with already and Ali's such a, an amazing FPL mind so I'm really excited to have kind of a weekly video with Ali um not only world number one last year obviously that's amazing but when you look at world number ones in years gone by sometimes they've just had this one unbelievable season well Ali finished 215th the season before that. Like I'm delighted to be talking with him on a weekly basis as we kind of break down the the game week we've just seen. So yeah, we're loads of fun.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really, really cool. Super looking forward to it. As you say, I mean, what a signing to make um, just in terms of his history, but also don't do yourself down, Johnny. A great signing to have you alongside him as well. I think people are really going to enjoy that. So yeah, we are absolutely looking forward to it. Well, with that, I'll leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your tinkering with your teams and we will see you next time.